0: Welcome to the BWT But We're Together podcast, Black White Talk.
1: I'm Darlene. I'm Wes. In season two, we explore race, culture, and class in America through the lens of our experiences as an interracial couple.
0: We share voices and stories to document, deepen, and enrich our understandings of what it means to be Black and white in America. Hey, Wes. Hey, Darlene. How are you?
1: I'm doing well.
0: Good. So we're back with BWT. Uh, but we're together and it's a very special episode yes, today.
1: Yes, because
0: we have a special guest. We have a special guest. Um, our guest today is William Palmer II. Um, yay! <laughs> Poets now. Good to be here. Uh, well, welcome. And we don't, uh, this is family, so I've never called him William in my life. <laughs> Uh, right. So this is Billy Palmer, um, and he it's special for so many reasons, and one reason, uh, the primary reason is that Billy has spent um, upwards of 30-plus years in incarceration, and as of March 11th. 11th, he was released from prison after 31 years, mm. and how many days?
2: 22.
0: In 22 days. And... Um, I bet you guys have a lot of questions. And um, at BWT, one of the things that we wanted to do was go deeper this year and talk about race and talk about um, how race affects Wes and our my life um, in a deeper way. And in talking with Billy, I feel like um, we're going to touch on things that are going to help both Wes and I better understand um, the penal system. The things Mm -hmm. that are wrong with the penal system, Mm -hmm. how it affects black men, um, and some of the, you know, and through all of that, we're gonna hear Billy's story, which is pretty fascinating. Uh, And so with that, I think I wanna, you wanna get started? Sure. First of all, how old are you?
2: I'm 48.
0: You're 48 years old, and you went into prison at what age?
2: 17.
0: At 17 years old. Can you tell us about, why? How? Why did you go to prison at the age of 17?
2: Mm, that's a that's a, a complicated question, or should I say, a complicated answer? Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that I went to prison for several reasons. Uh, there's a lot of factors that had nothing to do with me, but because of the situation I was born and raised in, as well as how I responded to those things.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but to make a long story short, uh, I decided one day that I was going to take my destiny in my own hands by hook or crook. And there, were a t- there was a time when I was spending a lot of time outside of my community and in my new community, which is uh, appropriate for the black and the white aspect.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I no longer was identifying so much where I came from as Mm -hmm. opposed to where I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. And they reflected of a dominated white society, wealthy society. So once I got connected with a few people, we were in Palm Springs. Uh, I was learning to be a polo player and I was immersed in that world. Mm -hmm. Uh, I celebrated uh, with a few friends. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had uh, alcohol and drugs Mm -hmm. and uh, the father of the friend that that associated with, mm-hmm. uh, he saw it and kicked us all off his property. Mm-hmm. He didn't prove. So I became desperate, and that is the root cause of my criminal behavior and my uh, uh, irrational uh, thought process mm-hmm. is when I live in desperation. And I decided to acquire some money legally in order to hold me over until I can make another move, uh, hopefully in, in, a legal, in a legal way. So I decided to rob a man, Mm. Um, I asked him for his wallet. I Mm. I approached him. I had a black mask on, a black outfit, some black Chuck Taylors, and I unloaded 357. I pointed at him and I told him, give me your your wallet. Mm. He said he didn't have a wallet, which is the reason why he said it, because unbeknownst to me, he was an off-duty police officer, a lieutenant lieutenant detective of the Riverside Police Department. Mm. So he wasn't going to show me his badge. Mm -hmm. And so... uh, I was scared, nervous, uh, thrown off, because my plan isn't working as I as intended. I wanted to take the water run and, and be gone with. Mm-hmm. So I said, do you have a bank card? And, and why did I ask him that question? If you don't have a water, why would you even have a bank card? I don't even think people carry bank cards inside their wallet. <laughs> so he said yes, but he never mm-hmm. showed it to me.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I said, okay, well, get in your car, and let's go to the ATM and draw out as much as you can, which was... Approximately two hundred dollars. So on on the way there, um, uh, he followed my instruction. As he got out, he Mm. reached under his seat, uh, retrieved his uh, service pistol, and fired fifteen rounds at me, Mm. point blank. I seen the first one pass before my face,
3: Mm.
2: and one of the other fourteen hit me in the knee area.
0: Were you in the back seat of the? So it was a
2: suburban. Okay. Uh, Chevy Suburban, which had three rows of seats, okay. so he was in the front, I was in the middle. Okay. Uh, and mm. he backed away, shooting. I backed backed in, ducking. And once it became like completely silent, I took off running a little ways down the open mall of the outdoor mall in, in Riverside downtown. I thought I had urinated on myself because I felt just. Mm. What, liquid running down my legs so I stopped to investigate that led me to panic a little bit I decided to hide and long story short they apprehended me sometime later mm-hmm. and arrested me mm. so that's, that's how I was arrested mm-hmm. how I how, I, I, used, I like to say how I actually got to prison mm-hmm. is because of the legal system and mm-hmm. their um, in, inability to understand that you shouldn't throw away uh, your the children life
0: of, a, of a child. basically. Right. Yeah. Um,
2: so I was tried as an adult. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that system happened in a matter of weeks. Wow.
3: Uh, wow.
2: Yes, um, it was a judge making a decision based mm-hmm. off of a probation report that was skewed towards the victim. Uh, so mm-hmm. therefore, even after they sent me to the youth authority to mm-hmm. to see whether or not you know, my social, my psychological makeup, uh, they were told that I was amendable. It was called a, an amenability report. Mm-hmm. And they said he's a, not only is he amenable, but he's not even sophisticated yet. He's not involved in criminal uh, mm-hmm. organizations. Right. He doesn't belong in a gang. And he can be uh, cured from our treatment.
0: Yeah, and so just to iterate, uh, sophisticated me is a term that I guess is used in the legal system to say that a person um, has actually been criminalized. Like he's at an actual... He has experience. He has a history uh, as a criminal or in that type of behavior. Is that Mm -hmm. what that means?
2: And not only a history as a criminal, but he understands the criminal element to where he can, he has mastered it enough to Mm -hmm. where he he can get away with it if we allow him his freedom.
0: And they determined that you were not that.
2: They determined that I was not sophisticated enough that what I did showed that I was still thinking as a child, Mm -hmm. imitating what basically what he saw on TV.
3: Right.
2: So one of the things about the black and white issue was I was in juvenile hall with uh, a guy named Darren, Mm
3: -hmm. and
2: he was a white 17-year-old, just like me, tried as an adult for shooting and killing his father in the head with a deer rifle while he slept. He claimed
0: did like literal murder premeditated Premeditated.
2: he claimed that he was abused by his father and that led up to him reacting that way well his mother had remarried so they were able to afford an attorney Mm -hmm. he was sentenced he was tried as an adult sentenced to YA and was released at 25 wow yeah
0: and then your sentence was what?
2: My sentence was natural life for kidnap robbery with a tent to rob, which carries a minimum term of seven years. So a lot of people like to call the sentence either seven up or seven to life.
3: Mm.
0: So there's a lot of room for people to decide what your fate is beyond that seven years. Exactly.
2: I um. could have got out as soon as seven or I could have died in prison.
0: Wow. Mm.
1: I mean, this brings up a little bit we were kind of talking before about like um like like Wes as a white man what do you know about the prison system and like a 7 to life term i would picture you're good you get out early like i hear that all the time mm-hmm. i don't have any other For good associations behavior. <laughs> yeah uh, mm-hmm. but talking to you like you've you've clearly outlined that were things were brought up as um reasons to not just yeah, like add, add time right. to your sense. So can you talk a little bit about that? Um,
0: well, and then yeah. if you don't mind me asking, yeah. so it, is this? Um, there's this thing that comes to mind how um, the persona of a black boy compared to the persona of a white boy. So the white boy, oh, the poor kid, he's hurt. Um, he's been emotionally abused or physically abused. Um, so he's almost the victim, right. and the victim retaliated, whereas you as the black boy, oh, he's in the mind of he's society, he's a criminal, mm. and he unrehabilitatable almost. Right. And it seems like that's what was happening, or that's what I hear when I hear you say, what happened to this comparison? You had a direct comparison. Yes. Mm. I mean, not even direct. It was completely, he right. did way more than you did. But it was just an age. Yeah. Right, that mm. he was. It was the same. And it he was tra- in and he time
2: comparison. Like I'm not telling you about somebody I know t- today that yes. got in trouble, or somebody right. before yeah. I heard of. Matter of fact, I was in the dorm be- right before I left prison uh, with another guy who was arrested and sentenced in Riverside County mm-hmm. for the exact same thing and some more. Mm-hmm. He had kidnapping, mm-hmm. carjacking, mm-hmm. robbery, and some most charges, mm-hmm. and they gave him nine years. Wow. Hmm. So one of the things I wanted to really point out is that uh, the, the measure of a society is truly how they treat each other. Mm-hmm. And how you treat your children really reflects how you feel about your future as a society.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And we, we can compare the white and the black, mm-hmm. but when it comes down to it, it's, it's the human quality in the system. Mm-hmm. And the narrative doesn't change so we wanted uh, west spoke about you know how this come about um, What well, the policies of this country and this state in particular california started uh... close to forty forty five years ago when they decided to become tough on crime mm-hmm. and we as citizens and i say we because i once was before this voted for and supported politicians who said, hey let's be tough on crime right. now on the surface of that you say yes I don't want nobody breaking in my house, right. my car, et cetera, right. et cetera. However, what they mean by tough on crime is, let's lock up as many people as we can, mm-hmm. primarily of color, mm-hmm. because we're going to go from 13 prisons, which Bill Clinton helped fund, mm-hmm. to 36 prisons.
3: Mm-hmm. Now,
2: population growth and criminal activity did not increase at that same rate. Right. So what they did was they changed laws in order to create criminals.
0: Mm-hmm. To be able to house
3: To them arrest, to prisons.
2: convict, mm-hmm. and to sentence. To these prisons
3: mm-hmm. now,
2: that on the, that on its surface, was already worse, right? That's mm-hmm. pretty bad. Mm-hmm. They not only filled the new prisons up, mm-hmm. they overfilled them up to mm-hmm. a capacity that was uh, finally, uh, in a court of law, said was overcrowding and inhumane, mm-hmm. and un, uh, uh, the rights of the human beings was being violated. Mm. Mm. So not only did you go from 13 prisons that was fairly filled, mm-hmm. but to 36 that was filled. People in hallways, in Beyond gyms, trample racks. People yeah. dying, committing suicide. Uh, and that's and all in this that. state. 13 this to state 36. of our California. Okay. Mm-hmm. This narrative lasted even to my uh, going to court and fighting for my freedom, where the Deputy Attorney General uh, Denise Yates stood in front of the court and said that William Palmer has been a criminal since he was eight years old. Yeah,
3: and, and the half.
2: judges all turned their head, according to my attorneys, looked at her and said, you know better than that. Yeah. You can't even be legally liable at eight years old.
0: How are you gonna criminal, and this is the, the mindset, oh, uh, a black boy as early as eight years old is already a criminal in our society.
2: And one thing you said, Darlene, was that the victim, Darren, retaliate against his father who could have been, according to him, uh, the perpetrator Yeah. long term or whatever. But in all of my examinations, they never concentrated on what type of abuse caused me to one day mm-hmm. start it's first burglarizing houses yeah. and then deciding to commit on robbery.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. They only investigated what Wrong, have you been doing all of this time? Right. And in my honesty, I told them. Sure. Because I want to corroborate. You're the authorities. Yeah. You told me, you know, as long as I'm truthful and corroborative, Mm -hmm. it's going to go good for me. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not true. Mm. I tell anybody that's listening to tell your children if an officer approaches them to give them their name, their last name, and your phone number or attorney's phone number and then remain silent thus after.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: They're not there to help you at any, at any process of the criminals. Yeah. And I leave out the justice part, the criminal system.
0: Yeah, and so yeah. you said that this young man, uh, they were willing to listen to him as someone who had been victimized or had a history of being victimized. They didn't listen to you or never even bothered to ask you. What, can you tell us a little bit about what was it that other people need to hear that happened in your story and that possibly is probably happening to other young black men or people of color or whoever in this in their environment. How did what was the abuse that you that they didn't ask you about?
2: The abuse for me is the same as a lot of uh, children. Period. But primarily, uh, people of color who are uh, forced through uh, forced desegregation or just uh, neighborhood drawing lines and deciding what school systems you go to. Mm-hmm. So this goes all the way back to the the fight for equal rights in the school system, mm-hmm. where the schools should be equal. Right. Uh, computers, mm-hmm. maintenance, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. So I went from Emerson to Elcott, so from Eastside Riverside to more of the upper-class neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And then Alcott, did
0: they feed into uh, Gage and then Polly?
2: Gage and then Polly. So nobody uh, indoctrinated or uh, uh, helped me adjust to Mm -hmm. my new system and my new environment and culture. Mm -hmm. So when I went in immediately, I'm treated a certain way that I wasn't treated in in Emerson in, in my school In system.
0: Emerson, primarily black. That was the neighborhood right. kids, and then you moved to this other neighborhood, was primarily white. And, and so you were basically uh, kind of the outsider. Yeah. And, and so
2: I only knew one way to one way to get to the top of the food chain, mm-hmm. and that's through fighting. Mm -hmm. So in in Emerson, we scrapped. Mm -hmm. We didn't get in trouble. We did a little bit, boom, boom. Okay, we established the ranking system. And I was always at the top. Mm
3: -hmm. And so
2: when I get to the new school, I'm fin to establish the same ranking system. Mm -hmm. But that's not how they were doing it at that school. Mm -hmm. So now I'm the troublemaker. Right. But I'm not understanding. Mm -hmm. Uh, So.
1: And how old were you when you went to Alco?
2: Nine years old.
1: And there's no way a nine-year-old can process... The social systems you're talking about from uh, one neighborhood to another, but there's adults, college educated adults, running that, right? Who aren't explaining it, like you said, to a nine year old, right? And so, how is their attitude toward you? They were, I mean, you, you use the word troublemaker. Mm-hmm. Um, like t- I internalize that as like they're watching you, they're looking for you to slip up. They're mm-hmm. okay, you did that wrong, we get we're gonna get you, right? Like, right. kind of put our thumb on you. So,
2: is, I mean, is that fit with your... Yeah, so from head start to third grade, I was a good student, if not, you know, A, B student for, with no problem. Took books home, mother made me read, Sam, I am, all of this, right? When I got to the fourth grade, I never took another book home, and they never cared.
0: Mm. It's so interesting. Fourth grade and Wes and I have talked about this before, that's the breaking that's the year that's the it they kids either succeed in reading or they stay the same. Mm. And when we do our testing, our re- our testing and reading like ninth through twelfth grade, I'm I can't remember the numbers now, but I know at least thirty percent mm. are reading at a fourth grade level.
2: Exactly. Hmm. Yeah. That's when they stop caring. Mhm. Whether and they don't give any tests. more
0: reading instruction.
2: So when I went, when I was arrested, I was a functionally illiterate. Mm-hmm. How do you become a functionally illiterate mm-hmm. if you've been passed from grade to grade right. to grade? Yeah. What's this wrong should be with impossible.
1: That? Yeah, we're talking about California, um an industrialized nation America. Like how do you get through the school system mm-hmm. without literacy? Mm-hmm. I mean, people I think we we think that's well. If you're in the education system and teaching, you yeah. do know that people um, people are at all different areas with literacy. But I think there's this people think like, oh, that's you know Africa or something like right. that no, where they no. don't even have electricity. But this is this. I mean, we're the same age. Right. Mm. We're the same age. Grew up. Well,
0: you were probably thinking about your own, uh, yeah, because you guys are exactly the same age.
1: Yeah, grew up. You know. From each other, maybe if that mm-hmm. you know, so it just makes you like kind of flabbergasted that this happens under the nose of like well-meaning well-meaning adults who are mm-hmm. or are
0: they're not. I don't know. I don't know. Like even now, we have a system where we're trying to have um, more trauma-informed services, mm-hmm. like we're trying to recognize trauma mm-hmm. in students, and so that right. we can focus on their social-emotional health. Um, but when literacy is left out of that equation, I say that it's a fail. Mm-hmm. A failure and i've I've written about this before because I think literacy is traumatizing. night illiteracy is traumatizing because you are not able to keep up with your peers. you're mm-hmm. not you there's a stigma that's um, on you because you're not able to keep up. and I think that that affects you in that environment that you're in every single day, like longer than you're at home <laughs> right. you're in school yeah. in those days. And so how can that not affect you? How did um,
2: how did it affect you? So you automatically know where you are mm-hmm. as a child. You can perceive mm-hmm. you know, where you are. There was a time when, so when I was in my old school, I dated African-American little girls,
3: mm-hmm. uh, Hispanic, mm-hmm. Asian,
2: there was a few. And even maybe there was some whites, but I rep- maybe not dated them, but liked them. When I get to my new school, it's predominantly white. Mm-hmm. So now I'm seeking to date predominantly white girls blue-eyed, blonde, and all eight that. eight years old or are you nine, old junior high? <laughs> nine to, well, at nine years old. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, all we're going to do is hold hands and talk, but uh, <laughs> that's good enough, right? Yeah. Uh, so I remember as time went on, junior high, uh, I believe I, it, I was in junior high when I went over a girl's house and we were socializing with friends and stuff, and I was there and I left. And when I came back, she said I couldn't come back. Mm. And I didn't know why, I thought, oh, she doesn't like me anymore. Mm-hmm. But I later find out it was because her parents doesn't want, doesn't want me there. Mm.
3: Mm.
2: So, even though you don't know exactly,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you feel something, yeah. you know, you, you it's, it's not even just like you feel something, you, you've been rejected. Yeah. And rejection at that age, or you know, mm-hmm. as an adolescent, is is rough already. Right. But when you don't even understand why you're being rejected, so you can probably fix it. Yeah, that's even worse. So the trauma that I received was social trauma that wasn't sexual, physical, but was very psychological. Mm-hmm. And so when I committed my crime, they didn't care if I had psychological trauma.
3: Yeah,
2: as uh, Darren had maybe physical or sexual trauma no, that made him do that. They weren't
0: asking you about that. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Um, So you get into the prison system at 17 years old, and I just am curious. You were with grown men. Grown men. Mm. And what was that? Tell me about that transition from citizenship to incarceration. Mm-hmm. What? What? How did it? How did you feel? What? What kind of impact did it have on you, especially as such a young man? and did you feel so maybe this is if it's too many parts don't worry about it Mm -hmm. but did you feel like um oh this is going to pass i'm not going to be in here that long right so uh, tell me a little bit about those first um, so
2: i did focus on that seven year number in in that life sentence and say okay i can set my mind to that seven years Mm -hmm. um so when i first was uh sent uh, sent from Juvenile Hall to start serving my time. They did house me in YA for a couple of years, as they say, giving you time to grow up a little bit, to physically mature. To get ca- ready, to, to grow to, up To handle these grown ass men, oh right? My God. And so I still didn't know what I was facing in YA. It was like college. It was literally like being in college. I mm-hmm. ran for student council, became the president of student council. I uh, got my GED. I started going to high school. I wanted to go to college that they offered. But because of, I was an M number, meaning adult, uh, they didn't allow me outside at night, which was when the college classes. Mm-hmm. So there's another discriminatory process that's right. happening that they don't think nothing of. Yeah. Uh, and so, like I said, I played football, padded football, which I was already used to. And again, I was... a star athlete mm-hmm. at that. So like I said, I felt like I was going to college, so I made the best of it. I enrolled in self-help, 12-step programs. Uh, I told him I want to kick cigarettes, you mm-hmm. know uh, that I didn't have a drug problem, alcoholic problem, but I did I was smoking cigarettes at the time. And so those two years went by fairly quick. I uh, found myself being transferred to prison. I went to Chino in my first day at Chino going to the yard. Uh, I see a Mexican guy get hit in the head with a baseball bat, mm-hmm. blood just gushing and running down the side of his face. And as I leave the weight pile, 'cause because action is happening, I move over to a place where my cellie was, and these two big old crips, a big Samoan dude and a big black dude, come over to me, talking about, What's up, cuz? Where you from? And I'm looking at these two dudes, knowing, Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. and my mm-hmm. celly comes over and says, oh no, he, he's alright he's not affiliated. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that I was lifting weights with bloods and now I'm sitting over in this place with oh. Crips oh. <laughs> so coming from the Eastside <laughs> Riverside where we're supposed to have this gang uh, you know I grew up tough scrapping but I had no idea of the, the social etiquettes of what I was getting into yeah, wow. and so I was a fish out of water for the most part Mm -hmm. When they finally sent me to uh, Old Folsom, which is one of the oldest prisons in California where gladiator school was going down, meaning that almost every other day somebody was being wheeled out on a gurney because of a stab wound. Mm -hmm. The first thing I was taught to do was learn how to make a knife, a shank out of a plastic uh, Tupperware uh, cup tumbler. Uh, Read certain books from George Jackson, Blood in My Eye, to Marcus Garvey, Malcolm X, and all of this. Uh, so you had to be a part of the movement or you was going to get moved on. Mm-hmm. And so that went okay. And it introduced me to another, another world of the black power movement and the struggles with inside the, the prison system. So I think, I'm thinking I'm okay. However, there are predators there looking for somebody young mm-hmm. and naive and mm-hmm. vulnerable. And so when this one guy pushed up on me, uh, I resisted. However, he wasn't going to take no for an answer. People took a liking to me right away and saw this going on. Next thing I know, I was ushered upstairs to a guy that I only know as Blue,
3: mm-hmm.
2: not knowing at the time that he was a shot caller and had a lot of pull on the yard, and he asked me a question. Do you want to be this man's bitch? And I said, no. Mm-hmm. He said, okay, you're dismissed. I left, and that was the end of the conversation and any more harassment. So I always tell people the way that I survived prison was because a lot looked out for me when I couldn't look out for myself.
0: Okay, because <laughs> that yeah. that's, that's crazy. That, that's what that, there's no way. And I mean, you know, on the outside, we, we always hear about these stories, and we just, I don't know if we assume, but we wonder, like, God, does everybody have to go through that, you know? And so the fact that you were protected
2: that yeah yeah and yeah. I eventually got to a point to where I grew up and I was a protector as well passing it on to the next people mm-hmm. who needed protection matter of fact uh, there's a guy that's on my Facebook page his name is Ishmael I'm sure he wouldn't have a problem I seen him sitting in the day room and in, in, uh, in Solano looking like <laughs> and, you know scared like a like a snitch at a gangster party and just his head was toe up, his clothes were shabby, and I said, "I said, young man, what's up, young G? You, you all right? He's like, yeah. I said, no, you know. He said, you want something to eat? He was like, uh, I said, come on. And I took him under my wings, and I gave him some clothes, and I gave him a haircut, and mm-hmm. fixed him up, and I said, today you're gonna learn to be all right. Yeah. And I taught him martial arts. I taught him to think. I taught him uh, Islam, I brought him into Islam, and taught him how to uh, mm-hmm. function in prison. And, He's on my phone right now. You know, he mm. calls me for advice when he was he got out when he get married, and having out. problems. Yeah, he got out. He only had like about four years, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so, in that four years, I made sure he was prepared for society. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah. wow.
1: So you mentioned faith, but you also mentioned like for for uh, Ishmael. It seemed like he had. Uh, I don't want to say lost faith because I don't want to confuse that with like spirituality. But but he had sort of like given up. Like and you were like, hey, lift your head up. Let's let's get you on the right path. So, like faith, mental strength. Like how, what was that journey like for you to get to that place? Um, Because when we spend time with you, it's it's a joy. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just you're you're like a bright light. You're Mm -hmm. somebody who you just want to spend more time with. Even on social media before we met. Like Billy is killing it, man. His he's he's got the, his social media stories. game is just, strong. Just <laughs> seen the, uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Billy's social media game is strong. Um, but you're sharing joy and wisdom yeah. and thoughtfulness. Yeah. And how did how did that happen? Was it through faith? Was it uh, a blend of something?
0: Yeah. And I, I if I could uh, interject too, I I really want to know. And I've asked you this before, maybe elaborate on that conversation about like, how did it not break you? (laughs) Because I feel like one or two things can happen. You could become uh, institutionalized Mm -hmm. and broken, or you could be Malcolm. (laughs) Be like Malcolm, Mm -hmm. right? I see you more like Malcolm. Mm -hmm. So how does that happen? How Mm -hmm. did it happen?
2: Well, see, me, me and Malcolm have something in common. I don't know if you know the history of Malcolm, but uh, his father was—I uh, like to call, a, for lack of a better word, a revolutionist, but an evolutionist as well. Mm-hmm. So back in those days, you know, a black man standing up for social causes mm-hmm. was a death sentence, mm-hmm. and that's what happened to Malcolm's father. But he seen that, but he also saw his mom go crazy behind it. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the reasons why he went into crime because he was like, "F the white man, man, I'm a." get it how I want to get it. Mm-hmm. So similar the same way, I had a mother deer. Mm-hmm. A mother deer instilled well. uh, a constitution mm-hmm. in me mm-hmm. that was unshakable, and unbreakable. Yeah. So I didn't go into prison broken. Mm-hmm. I, went right. up, I went into prison confused. Right. Uh, the, the society did not measure up to my expectations. Right. And so therefore I was upset. Mm-hmm. And I was disappointed, and I decided, well, I'm going to get it like you guys get it. Mm-hmm. Like Jesse James was asked, why do you rob banks? Because that's where the money's at. Mm-hmm. So I went where the money was, and I went in it legally, and I went in it illegally. So when I went to prison, like I said, in, in, in the hood, I know how to scrap and, and, and defend myself. Mm-hmm. And fear is not an option. Mm-hmm. you know. So in prison, although I, I had fear, mm-hmm. uh, it was not going to deter me from... You know, doing what I had to do, mm-hmm. if I had to ever do it, uh, the blessing of God, the blessing of Allah, you know, Jehovah. How, however you, you you call upon him I never had to shank nobody.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: There was times where I ha- I was going to shank somebody, but uh, the person that I, I spoke about, if he didn't back up off of me, but I didn't have to shank nobody. I was never caught up in a riot. Um, I never was approached to join gangs and Mm -hmm. prison gangs, uh, and I never started getting tattoos and falling into that crowd. Mm -hmm. So very early on at the age of 22, when I accepted Islam, I was already being groomed to be the person that I was going to become. Mm -hmm. So I never lost my humanity. I never lost my dignity, my constitution and who I was Mm -hmm. as a person. Mm -hmm. I only increased my awareness Mm -hmm. of reality and society in general.
0: Yeah. I don't know if this is appropriate to bring it up, I mean, because she's, it's, you know, it's a woman, it's a white woman, um, that's different. But do you remember the Elizabeth Smart case, that yeah. girl that got, so she got kidnapped by crazy people, right? Mm-hmm. Totally, who knows what happened during that time she was gone. But I remember something similar in her um, explanation of why she didn't break and it was her family, and it was her faith. Mm-hmm. It was like those two things were in her, and they were strong, and they made her, it, 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 she was like, they could, he couldn't break me because I had those two things. Right. And you're saying the same thing.
2: And so, as time went on, I became mm-hmm. even stronger because like I said, these 31 years and 22 days is gonna count for something. Even at 20 years, it's gonna count for something. At 25, 30. It's mm-hmm. going to count for something. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I'm not going to give away my 20s and my 30s and 40s to you, and you think that that's just going to be the end of the game. So it could have went two ways. I could have got out and became very vindictive mm-hmm. and got even. Yeah. However, that's not going to give me what I wanted. And yeah. because of my relationship with Allah, I knew I had a purpose in life. Mm-hmm. and one of the purposes is, is first I had to become an advocate for my own freedom, and then teach others how to become advocates for their own freedom, whether you're in prison or outside of mm-hmm. the physical prison. Mm-hmm. A lot of us are in our own prisons, whether it be drugs, True. money, yeah. relationships, and so on and so <coughs> forth. So, Information is key. If we want to change our society, information must be spread throughout. Everybody should know what's going on. Mm-hmm. I was just in a, a, a an event with uh, the students from the University of San Francisco, and as I began to tell them information that even they didn't learn in high school and college, they even said that, why are they aren't teaching us that? I said, because information is key. In order to control society, there has to be common sense, and common sense is what's common to the people. You only need to know this much sense.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: then the upper class, who's the 1%, 2% that controls all of the country's wealth, they know something more.
0: They know something more. Mm. I think you have said a word. And that that's... um the one of the beautiful things about your story is that even in prison, you were kind of that like uh, agitator, and I know how dangerous it was, and, and maybe it added time to your sentence because, as you told me, you you did this crime, you go to prison, but then you you add up all these points for the little stuff you do in prison. Maybe not little. I'm not saying people don't do big stuff in prison, mm-hmm. but you you accumulate these other things that can add to your time. Mm -hmm. And um, for whatever people think about that, um, the way that I perceived it is you were resisting um, their desire, uh, their practice, to break you. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Um, And I think it paid off. I mean, it it was part of your constitution, you told me. Um, Should I ask for an example of that so people know what I'm talking about? Um, so you said something, or maybe you could give me an example because I don't um, remember right off.
2: I'll give you an example. So what we have in, in, inside a prison is the majority of correction officers that we call COs are what we call inmate haters. They don't want to see you have anything that their children don't have, or their children do have, and you don't deserve to have. So. They don't want to see you going to college because they got to pay for their children to go to college. They don't want to see you having a loving relationship in the visiting room. So they make it very hard for visitors to come. And when they're in there, they scrutinize you like uh, giving my cousin a hug is a a sexual offense. Mm -hmm. So these are the type of mentality that these CEOs have. Mm -hmm. And it's well known. They've done studies where they've given normal people a, a paper badge and another a Person, a, f- uh, a number with it and it says, You're the inmate and you're the CO. And within a matter of moments, the the, the fake badge is already being an authoritative figure over the inmate with a fake number. Mm-hmm. So they already know how they COs know. think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was a part of the beautification process of mm-hmm. the institution where I did artwork. Four minutes left. Oh. And the institution gave me art supplies. I mm-hmm. had my own and they gave me some to do work. Mm-hmm. Well because I charged one of the staff members for sexual har- harassment because every time he came in my dorm looking for a phone that another inmate had, he wouldn't search that bunk. He would search all of our bunks so that one of us would tell and and, and where it was mm-hmm. and, and so that inmate could be uh, done. So. Mm-hmm. When he kept searching me, this one particular one, I said, why are you stripping me out? What are you looking for? Mm -hmm. If you're looking for something small enough for me to fit up my rectum, then I can understand that. However, you're in here looking for a device that I wouldn't put up my rectum, nor would fit in my rectum, as far as I'm concerned. So... Do not strip me out anymore
3: Mm,
2: and I charge him with sexual harassment Mm -hmm. so following that the sergeant comes up in a couple of days Mm -hmm. and he decides to strip me out and then he sees that I have this art supplies that's abundant and says oh you have too many art supplies I'm gonna write you a 115
3: Mm -hmm. when I
2: go to the boardroom, that's an extra three to five years
0: see this is the example that yeah thank you for that because that's just uh, that's egregious
1: Right. And mm-hmm. you were saying too, also about um, um, you made a, a point in our conversations earlier about there's kind of a turning point where you began to educate yourself on the law. and yeah. And so knowing the law and being able to advocate for yourself and like charge a, a CEO with sexual harassment. But then also this idea that you're the, these many offenses that tack on more time, like in the law, it's supposed to be related to the reason for the sentence, the original sentence. Right. And so that was something I hadn't heard before, so can you just explain that a little bit?
2: So the law says that the board can deny you uh, parole if there's a nexus to your crime. Mm-hmm. I'm a kidnap robber. Mm-hmm. Not one time have I ever been written up for stealing. Mm-hmm. Not one time have I ever been written up for any type of uh, manipulation on someone,
3: mm-hmm. moving mm-hmm.
2: them or doing anything. I never had a dirty test for drugs, Mm. uh, and I've only been in one fight that they know of. Mm -hmm. Um, So therefore, they never had a nexus to keep me in prison. But the policy of the board, the governor, uh, even the Attorney General at the time was Kamala Harris while I was fighting for my freedom. She said, absolutely not. So I won't be voting for her for president. (laughs) 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 Unplugged. (laughs) Uh, so that's, that was the policy of the prison, to keep it full. And mm-hmm. they wanted to be kept full of lifers because we control the population and mm-hmm. keep it at a manageable uh, mm-hmm. situation. So
0: What? See, that's another thing I didn't even think about. So the lifers, they understand the system and they can control the population so that it leaves less work for the... Yeah. Uh, uh, oh. mm-hmm.
2: And so becoming an advocate for my own freedom meant how do I... Be a rebel in this system. Mm-hmm. See, when I first came in, again, I told you I was taught uh, about George Jackson and, and mm-hmm. how the, the comrades of old mm-hmm. helped pave the way for me to come mm-hmm. in and not be beat up by the COs right. and, and on and on and mm-hmm. have some type of dignity and humanity to treat it, mm-hmm. even though it's not at, a, at the place it should be. So I sat back and I said, these aren't those times, and times have changed. The correctional officers are more in control of the institution. It's not a prison anymore, where the convicts used to be in control of the prisons. Mm. So that's when I'll explain to you what a convict is, an inmate is, and what a prisoner is. Mm. And I had to come up with this understanding by observation and trial and error the 11 times or the 10 times before I was released of going to the board and trying to figure out. What is the strategy of these people, and how are they playing the game? Mm. And in order to be a player, a real player, you have to know how to pop your peas. Uh, poor preparation, uh, proper preparation prevents poor performance and presentation. Mm. And so that's when I understood that a convict is con, is con, is uh, is uh, is, uh, is is confined by his convictions. Mm-hmm. The convict is more. Uh, critical and, 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 and oppressive against his own people because he thinks he has to push a line in how you should be mm. in order to fight against the police. Mm. That, that strategy is old and it doesn't work. Right. The inmate strategy is rehabilitation, right. self-help. Right. That's all obey master and if he pleases he'll start letting us out.
0: And that happened to you?
2: And that happened to you? You did what they said and they
0: used what they took and they used it against
3: you?
2: I used their language that they taught me and they used it against me. So an inmate is a patient Mm -hmm. and he needs medicine. Mm -hmm. And So I took my medicine from my spirituality and my my homegrown training and I said wait a minute there's got to be something else. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that they wrote on my clothes prisoner.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: I said I looked up the word prisoner I looked up the word inmate and I looked up the word convict a prisoner is unwillfully confined to a prison and once I understood that I knew what the key was to be free mm-hmm. and so that's what I tried to share with everybody else once I found the key my key became Henry Palmer which ironically when you look in the law books when you win a case it's right next to a key a mm-hmm. symbol mm-hmm. and so that is how Anybody, whether you're in prison or not, when you are trapped in this cycle and you seem like you can't get out, these invisible walls are keeping you in prison. Realize that you are in prison, you are a prisoner, and look for your keys. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: And I know, what you so do. I
2: met a man named Ronnie LaShawn Wynn. He would be highly upset if I didn't mention this man. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh,
2: we call him Scratchline. Mm-hmm. And he sat me down and he started to share with me his story. He's in there a crime he didn't commit mm. and he's fighting for his life it's been 20 25 years oh and he's fighting to get out and i helped him you know with typing and stuff because mm-hmm. he you know he has trouble with his literacy as well mm-hmm. so you know it's all about paying it forward and, and doing what's right and my goal is to make sure that i turn uh institutions into institutions of learning and not institutions of lock them up and throw away the key
0: all right. Well, thank you so much, Billy. I yeah. we ha- I'm not gonna say this is over because mm-hmm. there's so much more we could learn. Um, mm-hmm. And you you have I still have questions that I wanted you to talk about. Um, but you've given us a wealth of knowledge just in this interview, and we appreciate it greatly.
1: Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, and uh, Wes, what do you have?
1: Well, no, just gonna echo. I think this is gonna be the start of a conversation, um, mm-hmm. and definitely, um, like you said. Uh, your focus on, like, the learning on the journey forward, that's that's what I'm here for. So I appreciate your time and, mm-hmm. and uh, you giving back uh, and helping uh, all of us understand.
0: Yeah. So. No all problem. Right. All right, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Please leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes to help support this podcast and to keep the conversation going.
1: Write to us on Twitter at Darling or at West Creasel and give us feedback, comments, or suggestions for future episodes.